Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listening to a podcast from The Word. Don't tell my Barry Cryer on new Radio 4 uh, comedy program that uh, Stanner have a new stairlift, new faster one, gets you upstairs before you've forgotten why you went. That's <laughs> good. That's good. So, you know, get faster Stanner. That's brilliant. Are we working? We're all here. Okay. This is The Word podcast. Jude Rogers. Welcome, Jude. Hello, Dave. Hello, everybody. You found your way here. I did. I did. What bus did you come on, Jude? I came on the 56 from Whips Cross to uh, St. Bart's Hospital. Whips Cross. You don't come from Whips Cross. No, I got on at uh, Hackney Downs. All right, okay. So all you stalkers out there. there. Mark Ellen, how did you get here? (laughs) I came, David, on the underground uh, system from Turnham Green Station, (laughs) listening to Basket of Light by Pentangle. And, uh, yes, I like to keep it. In touch. <laughs> and then at King's Cross, I took the 73 bus full of unruly school children. And Matt Hall, how did you get here? Um, I got 725 from Grantham, Dave, <gasps> and I got 73 up the hill. Very good. Wow. I came on the Piccadilly line of the Did you walk line, up the hill, Dave? And I walked uh, down uh, Upper Street. So, Very good. Man, that's the important <laughs> um, It is traditional on the Word Podcast. Actually, Matt, first of all, Matt and I have to have to apologise for everything we said wrong last oh, week, haven't God. we? Well, We've had so much feedback. You know, people pointing out that when Matt was talking about... When we were discussing Desmond Wilcox last week... Uh-huh. Matt thought we were discussing Desmond Morris, the author of The Naked Eight. I haven't heard this yet. This sounds absolutely fantastic. So he made a joke about Desmond Morris, which I thought was about Desmond Wilcox. And we just kind of, we laughed and passed on, didn't we, really? Yeah. And it's only afterwards that people pointed out. So I think you have to accept that on the podcast, that people are just talking off the top of their head. And some of it may not be... Strictly, scientifically accurate. Is that fair, Mark? Somebody pointed out it could have been worse, Dave. I could have made out that Desmond Tutu was going to Esther (laughs) Ransom. Desmond Decker. (laughs) All kinds of Desmonds. And we were talking last week about the fact that Prince 
Still does a stint for the Jehovah's Witnesses in Beverly Hills. Did you, have you mm, seen this, Jude? I have, yeah. Uh, Can you imagine? how we would respond if the Jehovah's Witnesses <laughs> pulled up on one's doorstep on a Saturday morning with d- the diminutive bopping elf? I want to know if he wears his costumes. You know, if he's in purple, silk and... Uh, well, you think he'd finally be able recognise him if he was wearing silk? <laughs> <laughs> if he's... It's, yeah... What does Prince wear? I love the idea of just, just sort of oh. army fatigues. Or, what's he wearing? Is he wearing yeah. a car coat and a pair of cords? A belted car coat. That's right. Where's his trilby? Where's his gilet? Yeah. <laughs> Prince good. in disguise. Love the idea. Yes. Dressed as a sort of cabbie. You know? <laughs> anyway, this has led to a lot of debate on the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk, as to how one deals with unwanted people at the door. And Lucas points out, it's very good one, I wish I'd thought of this when children were younger. Is this Lucas Hare? Yes. Who I met at Gatwick uh, Airport. Absolutely. Lovely fellow. He says, I I never ever answered the door without picking up my baby son first. That way I can always go, it's not a good time. With conviction and proof. That's a very good idea, isn't it? Brilliant. And uh, and, uh, Retropath says, when the Osmonds came round, (laughs) they left looking most offended. Uh, emboldened by this, I now ask Jehovah's Witnesses in for a blood transfusion. <laughs> the Osmonds came round. I think, I think he's possibly joking. I just, but I like that idea, though. What do you think? The doorbell rings, and suddenly it's the, it's the opening salvo from crazy horses. <laughs> Gun smoke. Strange sound effect that we had last week it was Barry McElhenney making the sound of the yodeling on, oh, that on was Hocus Pocus by Focus. <laughs> and then yesterday I went and checked, and sure enough, there is yodeling. In, uh, is that the only case of yodelling on a top 40 year old? No, there was that really, <laughs> there was that really famous hit in the early 60s with yodelling. What's his name? It wasn't Frank Eiffel. Oh, Frank, oh, I remember, I remember, remember him well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. That's, that's, strictly, yodel. that's strictly yodelling. I don't think it is. That's falsetto. So things we've learned no, this we did week. Yodel. Mark Ellen, start with you. Well, I've learned uh, from watching a television programme last <laughs> night, I think, uh, which I don't normally do. I, I, I try to give up TV, but I'm being, I'm being weaned back onto it, Could particularly by a programme called... Na- I think it's called Natural World. Uh, sorry, that, I, can see, I can see some rather terrified looks from everybody around there. No, it was about monkeys. And I learned, right, it was about the intelligence level of monkeys. Stay with it, Dave. No, <laughs> it will. No, no, no. And there are some groups of monkeys who, in South America who live together. Uh, five different species live together. Each one has its own language, right? And they have alarm calls for things like eagle, snake, leopard, right? So they shriek out this word when they see a leopard come around. They all race up the trees. Um, but each one of the five different types of monkeys has its own species. Uh, it has its own actual word for this. So they're actually talking a different language, right? So it's a on. word. It's a word. Yeah. Can, can give us an idea of what this? Dave. No. Dave, no. I'm not going to give you the, you know, colobus monkeys version <laughs> of, of the word eagle. You're not, I'm going to get you to yodel in a minute. Is this, this the purpose of this podcast? Right now, now, if you'd like to hear Mark, Mark Harris, speak yes, monkeys. speaking fluent colobus. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Stephen. So the brilliant thing is, I was fascinated by this. I'm sorry because it means that these monkeys can understand each other's languages. And they proved that they had a, a vocabulary of at least 120 sounds, which is pretty good. And how much do they all And also sound extraordinary like... notions of their emotional reaction to each other. There's one bit where these monkeys live, again, in South America, and they, they live by fishing in the river and, and 
getting these lily flowers, but you have to dive down and get them. And these colossal, great six-foot monitor lizards live in these rivers. What are they? Monkey-eating lizards. What do they do? Do they sell them to tourists? They probably sell them yeah, <laughs> by the airport. Make them into handbags. Don't knock, don't knock it. <laughs> it's right. They sell them in pub car parks on a Friday night. Get your lilies. Go on, hurry, hurry. Everyone needs a lily. Get on, madam. She will like it. No, anyway. And so they have a monkey watching to make sure that the big lizards aren't around. And this monkey falls asleep. Before this was a brilliant piece of editing. Falls asleep <laughs> on his watch. The old monkey gets killed, right? And then you have this terribly sad moment when you see all the other monkeys, when they've been given the news that the lily-collecting oh. monkey has turned his toes up and is no more and has been carried out feet first. Does he have toes? Lizards. He doesn't have toes. Oh, I don't know. He's got toes. But they're the monkeys. They react like human beings. He's handed in a lunch pile. Handed in his... What's the word for monkey? What's the word for feline? What does monkey carry away, yes. carry away his dinner with? Like, yes. That's right. If he had a mortal coil, he would have shuffled up there. Anyway, that's basically <laughs> what I was about. Any listeners who saw this programme... Joined the I choir think we invisible. It was a <laughs> invisible monkey choir. That's great. Yes. Oh, oh. So it was very moving. <laughs> so that's I learned a lot about monkey. Monkey language. Okay, Jude. Yes. What I've learned this week. this week. I learned, excitingly, where Bono buys uh, Brian Eno's Christmas presents. This is good. Bono buys presents for Brian Eno. Well, I think he probably has somebody to, to buy him Christmas <laughs> presents. But I was in... Um, can I mention the shop? Yes, I can. Yeah, of course you can. Free advertising. Yeah, I send you um, some free goods. Macari's, um, which is a musical instrument shop in the Charing Cross Road in central London. I was in there the other day. Um, That's Macari's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jude needs a new flute, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on. They make theremins. Um, I was in there. I'd been interviewing this fantastic new pop star called Vivi Brown, who Andrew Harrison wrote about oh, in yeah. The Word yeah, a couple yeah. of months ago. She's top she stuff. is fantastic, and uh, she's obsessed like me with strange musical instruments. So we went for a bit of a uh, window shop, ended up in the bottom, uh, the basement of Macari's, talking to the guy who runs the shop, who said, I've got something out the back, but um, Bonner's got unreserved for Brian, you know, for Christmas. And I, I started asking him, you know, does he, you know, get things a lot from here? And apparently his buyer, or whoever, gets things a lot. And it was this wonderful um, pearly green late 1950s um, instrument called a harmophone, which is like a reed organ. And we did a little try of it, but um, just, just it's on reserve sorry, for Brian. Brian Eno's Christmas. listening. Sorry, he hasn't ruined his Christmas day. Oh, sorry, dear. I just, sorry, That's Jude. Brian Eno, Eno gets up Christmas morning, <laughs> yeah. and he's Roxy Music Jim Jams, ripping open things, hoping and he's going, to He knows perfectly well what it is. It's a harmophone. He's going to go, is it a book? Is it a pair of slippers? Is it a scarf? It's a game. It's a game. Oh, it's a harmophone. And then he's going to pretend he's always... selection box. Just what? I always wonder the underhides are filling up. <laughs> Poor old Eno, you've wrecked Emo. Well, uh, maybe, <laughs> but if Bono doesn't get it in the next week, he might sell it on. So if anybody else wants a harmophone, actually, oh, Vivi Brown oh, wants a harmophone. That Bono is so tight, he doesn't like to, you know, commit himself to to his Christmas shopping until he's absolutely sure. <laughs> is, you know, so he has stuff on yeah, reserve all, all over town. But how, how does how does does Bono <laughs> do what everyone else does and goes like, oh, it's twenty quid each. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that one's that one I can afford 15 each 15 member of yeah, so yeah. that 25 Phil Manson yes, if I've spent 1,750 on Eno yes. then yeah what about Brian Ferry yes. <laughs> Brian gets a card <laughs> he loves a card he loves a card what do you, what do you reckon he gets free ed- from Marks and Spencer's the edge hat yeah <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> that's very good I like that <laughs> Larry Mullen token you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boots you token. always like to token. Yeah. <laughs> Book or record? <laughs> <laughs> Book. 
likes a book tone. You still get book tones. Yeah. I have no idea. I had you can one. still get book tones. I had one for my birthday this year. I asked for a book token because I wanted to just you get have something to buy books. old fashioned kind of like, it looks like a book token. No, not, not really. They're a bit fancy in there. Oh, uh, right. Because it always looked like a, a stamp that somebody yeah. just knocked up in the back room. You know, <laughs> you know, that anybody could forge it at all. You know, no. Nobody would bother. They're all fancy. What did you learn this week, Matt? This week, I learned that um, the first woman aviator in the United States, a woman called Bessica Medlar-Rage. Bessica, we have that name one more time. She should be an R&B star. Here we go. Come on. Bessica. Bessica, that's like Jessica, but with a B. That's what I mean. That's just so good. Medlar. That's that's something you clean the bath with, isn't it? Medlar, as in the the fruit. fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rage. R A I C H E. Very good. She wow. literally rules, doesn't she? But actually, you fancy her. I do fancy her. Actually, do you? Yeah, I do. Actually, what does she look like? She... <laughs> dead now. Not a stunner. Uh, okay. She uh, flew. She she, she was uh, is, is has been awarded the title of the first female uh, aviator in the United States by the American uh, the Aeronautical Society of America. She flew on September sixteenth, nineteen ten. Um, in fact, she wasn't the first female aviator in the United States. That was uh, Blanche Stewart Scott. Of course it was. But she, flew in us, but she, she may not have flown intentionally. <laughs> no, that's good. Somebody just pushed her off a cliff. Her kite. She was learning to taxi a plane. And it took off. And it took off. Fantastic. So her flight was not intentional. Could possibly have predated the one who has... By, by um, I think, by a great... Uh, by ten days. Why was I she really... taxiing a plane if she wasn't yeah. going to fly? So they had women um, to taxi Go to the shops. Well, Blanche, Blanche Stewart Scott... Taxi. Blanche... <laughs> oh, Blanche comes by. Where do you want to go, sweet? I'm going home, actually. <laughs> Blanche Stewart Scott... <laughs> direction. ...was the first um, woman to drive right across the continental United States on a, in a car without any men. Um, and um, so because of this, <laughs> she, was, she, was given, she was given lessons in flying by, um, by this uh, pilot, but um, he, put a, uh, he put a limiter on the engine so she could just learn to taxi the first few days, and then either the limiter didn't work or there, was, or there, was, a yeah. gust, or there was a gust of wind, and the plane took off and flew for 40 uh, yards and then landed again. I like, landed I like the France. idea of having. <laughs> a, I like the idea of having a world record involuntarily. That's I'm good. reminded of the uh, Jerry Seinfeld routine where he talks about the luge in in winter sports. Oh, yeah. He says it's the only sport you could take part in in the Olympics without intending to. <laughs> so there was, sit on a tea so basically people who just throw you down, you know, yeah. a slope, you, because that's all you yeah. do effectively, don't you? You just slide. I've got a friend who is. Her job is a Guinness World Records checker. She goes around the world checking records. Um, She's Japanese and she speaks about five languages, which is why she does it. Um, And uh, she was in, oh gosh, somewhere like Beijing recently um, doing the most paper aeroplanes flown at once record. How do you check that? Now, I want to know. How do you check? Somebody says, I have flown. There's lots of admin involved. You know, you just have to go around, you check everything because people do complain. She went, she was in Finland recently and somebody was making the biggest pizza or omelette or something and they didn't get it because you had to measure the circumference or something but you would because if you'd spent ages building the biggest pizza and (laughs) and then heard that somebody 25 minutes later has built a bigger you know what I mean you'd be furious (laughs) I'd contest it wouldn't you fair enough going back to your musical instrument shopping yes um I've I've asked my wife my wife said what do you want for Christmas I said I want a ukulele do you think she's taking me seriously 
Um, Are you going to get ukulele? Well, I don't know. She should take you know, you don't want to over kind of sell it, do you? You can get them pretty cheap. There is, I know, <laughs> quite. And I passed a shop down uh, near Old Street recently called the Duke of Duke Uke. Of Uke. Oh, Duke of yeah, Uke. Yeah. Well, they, That's where Mark got his They sell... Like no, I got mine in, in Denmark Street, which mine's a bit of a fancy one, but Duke of Uke <laughs> sell, believe it or not, flying V ukuleles. Oh. That's just tiny mini flying Vs. We've, we've had those on the site, I think, in yeah, the past. Yeah, they're quite yeah. funny. What's I don't want to fancy those flying Vs. Um, have we done this before? Uh, Bury me in a Y-shaped coffin? It's no, what are you going to say? It is. It's the flight uh, case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're on a loop, aren't we? That's terrible. <laughs> of course. So I've learned something oh, this God. week, but it's not as much as I wish I'd learned, because I've been so looking forward to This week, I had it blocked out in my diary ages ago, because this was the week that Michael Jackson was going to come to, yeah. the, to the high court and uh, and answer is uh, you know a suit against Sheikh Abdullah bin Hamad Al Khalifa, the Prince of Bahrain, who kind of entertained That's him. That's a scrabble score, isn't it? <laughs> Classic story. <laughs> entertained him. Welsh, <laughs> yeah. Entertained him in well, the yeah. year following his his most unfortunate court case, and he was trying to get back all all the money that he'd spent on him during during this year because he claims it was a business arrangement. Yeah. And there's many things that fascinate me about this case, but one little detail I learned in the early evidence that was given before this case was settled out of court so that nobody need be embarrassed any further is that Michael Jackson does not have a bank account. Really? Well, he did all with cash. He's just holding a great brick of notes. Well, I think he probably doesn't even have a brick of notes any longer, does he? Because he is he has been the most successful and wealthy. He's on his upper stage. He has spent it <laughs> and many times. He's over. on the on the edge of insolvency. Oh he's beyond <laughs> he's 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 the edge is of Neverland up for sale, isn't oh, it? Sold. Sold. That's oh, right. For how much? Do you want it? Yeah, that'd be quite Still a nice, wouldn't it? Llamas Probably be cheaper than a one-bedroom flat in Hackney. You get a chimp if you want one. Given the credit crunch, you could have had it for next to I know, nothing. I know. I once shared a lift in New York with Michael Jackson's chimp, Bubbles. <laughs> You're joking. Fact. Just Bubbles by himself. That's, no, that's he had a, his minder. That's a very good opening to a story. <laughs> it really is. When the conversation flags. Yeah, at a dinner party. Dinner party. Yeah. I'll try and remember that. Yeah. So anyway, Michael Jackson Did he does not language? have a bank account. Which is the chimp got in on its own. I'm sorry, I'm go back to No, that. with a minder. Oh, the Minder, right. okay. the minder. Fine. He was yeah. on tour at the time in uh, in uh, in New York, but um, you could have translated. Him. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could have told it. To, I could have told it was an eagle coming. He would have run away. The background, <laughs> the background to this story. Have you followed the story about Sheikh? I have. I have. Chummy, that he basically said, Michael, come and live in my one of our palaces. I'll build you a recording studio, and he did what I think yeah. quite a number of people have done. Which is, if you're a non-musical friend of a musician with a great interest in music, mm. there will inevitably come a time, usually late at night when both parties have <laughs> taken too much drink, which I'm sure wouldn't apply in this case. Jesus, Jesus the, juice. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we both said that at the same time, didn't we? When the Moving non, on. When the non-musical person will be sufficiently weakened no, and over-encouraged <laughs> by familiarity to say to the musical person, I do a bit of music. Yeah. Or I write a few lyrics. I've written a couple of tunes myself. He won't say, it's not quite as good as Beat It or Billy G, but would you like to hear about, oh my God. That is precisely, imagine? obviously, what happened. Yeah. You know, I've written some lyrics, and Michael must have said, oh really, that mm. sounds great. 
Was and so this guy must have rushed upstairs to his study and come back with reams of lyrics. Yeah. And then assumed that he was going to record his, uh, you know, his next hit was going to be um, co-written. Well, the shame about the, this, the lack of court case was that they were intending, uh, as, as I saw it, to uh, play some of this music <sighs> in court. I think we should all club together to cheer ourselves up during the credit crunch. Everybody in the world checks a quid in, you know what I mean, to pay for this court case to be staged yeah. for, the, for just the public entertainment value, don't you think? It would be fantastic. I, I, was, I, was, I was dashed when, uh, when they settled out of court. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. So what else are we going to talk about? Should what we talk else? about Dave Stewart? Oh, Yes. What's Dave Stewart? Go on. Remind me, I don't know what he's done. Oh, I don't want to. Not in front of the ladies. <laughs> or even Jude. <laughs> I was going to. Oh. oh, that's Good nice. Charmer. <laughs> Dave Stewart has lent his name and has written a song um, to publicise a. Um, what used to be referred to as, as a, a massage implement for, for neck pain and, and things like that. <laughs> um, and his lyrics are inscribed around this. It's electrical. Oh, no. Oh, it's electrical? Yeah. And it's occasionally, apparently, Don't used tell for, for yeah, relaxing blush. ladies. Oh, right. So I'm By relaxing blush, ladies. You know, I'm so. a vicar's son. I, I blush easily. Is this a sort of one of those devices you can use on your own, I suppose? <laughs> it's, what, it's, what, it's what what's the face... What Lucinda in, Williams would call self-love. It's what what's the face in Gavin and Stacey calls a bit of me time. Oh, that is brilliant. That's really funny. That is so funny. And, uh, but this, this particular um, implement for, uh, for self-love has... Um, Lyrics by David Stewart oh, God, inscribed, oh, right. inscribed around it. Oh, he doesn't play. I was going to say, that would put, oh. you off, put you off sex, even with yourself. Do you know, Dave Stewart songs really blare out at, at a moment of high excitement. Oh, my Lord, I forever. Whose so, idea was that? Whose idea was that and I, why? I, I horribly, I, I kind of think that it's probably Dave's. <laughs> well, because he, th- he, has, he has such great ideas, does Dave Stewart, <laughs> doesn't he? So, do you, what, you say you could market... Carving knives or something with the lyrics of the first cut is the deepest or something. A Rod Stewart. Is that possibly, yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. yeah you buy spades oh. with uh, uh, lyrics of Hole in the Ground by Bernard, Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to work? It isn't, is it? Well, if, if you were to use an implement designed for a bit of me time. Right? <laughs> what, what lyrics would you like inscribed oh my on God. it? Oh, there you go. Answers on the postcard, please. please. Wordmagazine.co.uk would be. <laughs> Fascinated to hear. Did you yeah. see they were selling uh, Summer Spike Milligan's effects yesterday? Effects? Effects. Oh, right, yeah. yeah personal effects. Perfect. Uh, and, okay, he had a copy of Dr. Arthur Yanov's book about the scream, you know, which the theory that John Lennon was always very keen on. Oh, yeah. Sent to him by John Lennon, signed by John Lennon, okay, fetched, I think, £3,000. Is that all? Copy of... Bill Wyman's Stone Alone, signed by Bill Wyman, fetched... No, more than that is what you're going to do. £20. Fine. Okay. Uh, so there that's you go. fine. Beatles I thought you were going to upset Beatles Stones. No, if you want... End you want to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, never try and do a list. Never try and do a list that starts with the Beatles. Because you'll run out very quickly, won't you? know what I mean? Because there aren't... Where the, the precedents they set, nobody followed. You know, nobody was as big as that. So, Jude, what are you doing this week? I am um, doing quite a few things, but I... On Newsnight Review. You're on the telly on Friday, Friday. Jude's on Newsnight Review. I'm so. a lady and I'm Welsh, possibly. But I'm on on Friday. Um, I spent yesterday. Are you allowed so, to say? Am I allowed to say that I'm. No, no, you're allowed I'm to doing. say what you're doing. I'm, I'm not allowed to say. I don't, I don't know. What does the nation normally get itself into a stew over what's going to be talked about? I don't know. Who are you on with? I'm on with um, Miranda Sawyer, friends of the word. 
Oh, excellent. And I'm on also with Reverend Richard Coles, who used Lovely to be man. in the Bronze. Uh, what, the communards? Yeah. Very nice chap. I saw a goodly reverend. He is a reverend now. Yeah. yeah. I used to love Bronski Beat when I was a kid. They were fat. Absolutely loved them. So. And Jermaine Greer? No, it's... Um, no Jermaine? Thankfully, yeah, because You'd I would be, be just absolutely terrified. terrified. I'd be terrified. Just very nice. Everybody would be terrified. But, I, hope um, I, got, I hope I'm not being rude about a man of the cloth, but I've worked with Richard <laughs> a lot. And, uh, he's one of the most entertainingly erudite and filthy men. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, you choke that in. <laughs> choke that in. I can, I can a never... A filthy vicar. He's a filthy... Well, he used to be before he, he was a Does vicar. any I'm of sure this material leak sure, into his sermon? I'm, sure <laughs> I'm sure that all of this has been expunged from his personality. Even the word expunged sounds <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so is he working rev now? Has he got a parish he and is. so forth? He, he? he had a parish. Now, now I think he's... Um, Freelance. No, now I think he's... Um, at Church a college of St. In, in, no, at a college in central London. I'm not sure which one, so I wouldn't like to. I haven't seen him for years. Thoroughly nice chap. Very nice man. Uh, so I've never been able to uh, look at things like Newsnight Review, where, where critics you know, sit on chairs and exchange views, without thinking about that ancient Peter Sellers, Irene Handel sketch from the early 60s, where they had... A, it was a postage of a Radio 4 arts program. <laughs> where they were discussing seven brave tractor drivers. Which <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know, invented collectivist film, you know, just for the Friends, purpose I of... I don't remember that. I, oh, I think I've heard every Peter Sellers sketch. That's oh, fantastic. That, I've yeah, got to have to look that out. I, I, don't, I can't remember what it's called, The Arts or something like that. I always keep I thinking of that. I, it wasn't The Late Review. Um, was The Late Show when Oliver Reed went and kissed Kate Millett on the face or something yeah. and called her something terrible? I thought I could have a little Oliver Reed moment, maybe. I could be like Russell Brand, too. <laughs> yeah, you won't get invited back, I don't no, think. Well, well, you're yeah. going to well, thump somebody. <laughs> well, I went to a gig with a huge difference on um, a couple of nights ago. I went to the Lyceum Theatre, where you might think that the Lion oh. King is on. I okay, know. To see a performance of what? I know this because I've been reading well, I really don't know. I remember you once went to the Lyceum Theatre to see Bob Marley the way they called their live album. Okay. Oh, no, it's, it's probably quite a different experience. Um, <laughs> this was not musical. This was not theatrical. This uh, was, was not it ballet. A TV celebrity cooking show that you took no. you, you make a souffle <laughs> on camera. It was. For the first time in no. my life, I saw uh, you know, a theatre full to listen to a man speak. It was a lecture, wasn't it? Oh, well, I hate to call this. Was it Gladwell? Things. It was Malcolm Gladwell. Excellent. Yeah. Who I'm, after this podcast, I'm zooming across town to interview him for, uh, for one of our uh, backstage podcasts. But anyway, he did two shows. Two shows at the Lyceum. Packed. So we, we estimate 2,000 people in each house. Was the matinee just for the under 10s or something? That was alcohol free. <laughs> no, I think it was people wanted to go straight home did after he, work. Did, yeah. he, did he loosen up in the second set? <laughs> did, did he do his blue thinking? He told, <laughs> I, was to, I was trying to explain to my wife. Richard said, Coles. What did he do? I said he, he talked for an hour about plane crashes. Of course, as soon as it, I interviewed him about this a few weeks ago on the phone, and he says he always talks about plane crashes because you'd always be guaranteed people's attention. You yeah. know, he starts his bit about True. plane crashes by saying, is anybody planning to take a flight in the next few weeks? Please put your hand up. I'm <laughs> certain number Good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Good luck, you know. And, and when he's recounting the details of famous, uh, notorious plane crashes, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. Because it's one of those things. Doesn't matter how sophisticated people think they are. What's you know, the point he's making, though, when he's... When he's well, the point he's making, this. and the point he's making in his book, Outliers, is that, uh, is that cultural... 
differences weigh far more heavily on our actions than we ever give them credit for. And so the reason he's talking about plane crashes is he's developed what he calls kind of ethnic theory of plane crashes. <laughs> and that, that you are safer flying with airlines where there is a long tradition of questioning authority than you are flying with airlines that come from nations where there is no uh, tradition of, of questioning yeah, authority. Uh, and actually, within this, you are at your safest on a flight when the co-pilot is flying the plane. Because if the co-pilot's flying the plane and there's a potential problem, the captain will say, there's a problem. Turn left. Are there stats Whatever. to back this up? I'm yeah. suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, if the pilot's at the controls, the junior will be, you know, slightly more hesitant right. at calling his attention to any, any potential problem. Right. You know? And I'm sure that applies to loads of things in many different walks of life, you know what I mean? Well, the number two is in short. The number one will point out where they're going wrong. You know? so. But I've got a theory about... <clears throat> like, I've, I've been doing a couple of lectures recently. I think this is the... I think the, 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 the You've got your lecturer jacket on, actually. I've got, today, I've got, I've got yeah. a He has actually got I'm a cord green corduroy, uh, you know... No elbow Geological patches. professor. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, isn't it? You know? got chalk dust on But I, I, I think that, that, that you're used to going to see performances that re- rely on large numbers of people and large amounts of apparatus. And the l- l- fewer the people and the less the apparatus, the more supercharged the editorial has to be. And, uh, hi, Janet, we're just recording something. We'll have the sandwiches in a minute. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Janet from Janet's Kitchen. Oh, isn't she wonderful? She's okay, got our toast. Yeah. Yeah. More and free advertising. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anybody fancies a mushroom omelette? Get there before 10.30. No, um, and therefore, when you see... So I saw Catherine Whitehall uh, speak for 45 oh, minutes. I love her. Without, uh, as far as I can see, she had some <laughs> notes. She had no, had no visual aid at all. Just her and a sensational pair of very small diamond orbs, which, which brilliantly caught the light. So that throughout the entire thing, like little mini glitter balls, it was just playing across the <laughs> audience. So you couldn't stop looking at her. And watch everything she said was hilarious. And so... And I just can't get over how... Difficult it is to talk for 45 minutes and engage people. I mean, what I mean is, it's got to be fantastic to make it work. I've been talking about this. Because we're talking for 45 minutes now, <laughs> aren't we? I know. Sorry, man. I, I, I can see that low lidded look. I've been talking about this. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> difficult. I've been talking about this thing called the moth that Malcolm Gladwell told me about. Mm. This is a thing in New York, which is a kind of, as he describes it, a load of people in a room drinking too much and listening to each other telling stories. Oh, right. This is now the big trendy club night sounds in Manhattan. Fabulous. It's brilliant. It's that brilliant. really and sounds they've got, they've got a fantastic website. Go look at it. You, and you can listen to lots of the talks. You can watch you know, YouTube clips and so forth. But the basic rules of the moth, which indicate how, how people speak best, is that you have to speak without notes for no more than 15 minutes from your own experience. So if people are doing that, they're not making it up. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So something that happened to you at the age of 10, yeah. you could tell that story perfectly right yeah. now. You wouldn't need to go and mug it up or anything like that. You've rehearsed in your head loads and loads of times. Yeah. Uh, and, and people will listen to a personal story in a way that they won't listen to a theory. There's, yeah. a, there's a fantastic one. I, I've, I've become obsessed with, it, with the Moth podcast, and there's a fantastic one by... Uh, that I listened to the other day by Neil Gaiman, the writer. I heard oh, that. Yeah. Um, about being left, coming home from a, uh, from a foreign school trip in the, in the mid-70s, about 14, and being left on um, Liverpool Street Station for a day with no money no. By, by his parents who'd gone skiing. No! no. <laughs> 
But parents are, got, parents are so absent-minded. How, how many children have they got? How many children have they got? They've gone skiing. And he makes a really good story about out of that. We've blown his punchline, actually, Matt. We have. Because it's only about ten minutes in that we know about Never mind, Nick. That is fantastic. He'll get by. Neil Gaiman, incidentally, features in the next edition of Word magazine. Oh, does he? In a week's time. What's he doing? He's a feature called Word to the Wise. Yes, very good. Yes, very good. Yeah. It's excellent. Start to get me plug in there. Has he got a new book out? I think he has. I can't remember. I've never sure I've read, read any Neil Gaiman. Oh, I've never heard of Neil Gaiman. Andrew Harrison is uh, the expert. Huge fan. Both, yeah. his, uh, both his comic stuff and his yeah. uh, novels. Fantastic, yeah. What, are, what books are we buying for Christmas, Jude? Would you recommend Oh, oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. Mark, say something I can't think. Um, Come on, Mark. <laughs> I'm buying uh, uh, Presents oh, to Buy This Christmas by Bono. Which is, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to find very useful. I'm Don't to the, mention um, the siren, anybody, please. <laughs> We've moved on from that joke, have we? Or not? There's no. the um, <laughs> let, um, Alistair Cook's um, collection of Alistair Cook's, uh, what are they called? Letters from America. Do they work written down? Well, I've, I've, I have spent several times in bookshops recently looking through it and thinking, I have to put that on my uh, wish list. Right. So if anybody wants to buy me it. Um, email the words and they'll give you my radio or something like that. <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. There was a little pull-out in one of the papers recently of his um, stuff and it, they worked brilliantly written there. Really, really well. There's been a fantastic series on, I think, BBC Four about the unknown um, Alistair Cook, which, uh, uh, how he became, how he, how he uh, developed the letters from America. Because he was a, a film critic before for the BBC and he was lot, did lots of other things. He was, um, Charlie Chaplin was supposed to be his best man. Wow. Really? Yeah. And he just didn't show, because Charlie Chaplin thought if he showed up to Alistair Cook's wedding as the best man, the fact that it was Alistair Cook's wedding would have been completely ignored. Footnote, yes. And the fact it was Charlie Chaplin... It's like inviting Kate Moss but, but, to your wedding. But you could probably have, have told Alistair that he wasn't going to show yes. up first. Yeah. I mean, that would have been the decent thing. <laughs> and he said the ring. left in the lurch with no, apparently no friends. If you've got no best man, you're presumably friendless. So <laughs> it doesn't um, reflect well. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. Talking of death... Um, did you see the story about uh, David Tennant in Hamlet? No. I know he's in it, but he's in the story. It. <laughs> the skull that he is talking to at the graveside, alas, boy, you're right, yeah, my new yeah. Emeratio, is a real skull donated to the RSC 42 years ago oh, by yeah. a man. Dying wish was, I, I want, want my to, skull to I use want to feature. My God, that's extraordinary. And uh, and uh, apparently, when he uses it, they don't tell the audience for fear that apparently it's been offered to now. earlier actors who are playing the part, and they've no. I want a plastic oh, one. That, that you're good old Doctor Who. Whereas yeah. I've touched apparently his legs. some nights he goes on <laughs> with this a real skull. I want to know because more if the that. audience knew, they'd, they'd just be freaked out, wouldn't they? Why? I would. I think I would actually. Well, it's going to be. I yeah. think I would because everything else is theatre. It's a little bit like discovering, you know, that in the you know the. The Montagues and the Capulets at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, they actually kill somebody. You could know, you, could I think you, I might freak you out a little bit. But could you then say that it was unreasonable, this guy, to ask for his wishes to be executed if it freaks out the audience and freaks out the actors? Then what's, what's the percentage in it for anybody? I, well, I mean, uh, apart from that this old fest. Same 42 years for his, uh, you know, his wishes but to But I love the idea that you're such a fest that you want to, even, even after you have popped your clogs, you still want to be on stage, darling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's marvellous. I suppose it's... With the smell of the grease paint and the roar of the How crowd. was I tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
dead. You died at the John Marwood. Here's, right? <laughs> here's a question I want, I want answered, and nobody here can answer it, but there might be people out there listening who can answer it. Football fans for years have had their ashes sprinkled in the goal mouth at Old Trafford or yep. wherever. Has any music fans had their ashes sprinkled in any particular... On the zebra, Abbey Road, or anything like <laughs> that. I, I don't know. Where, where were we the places? Yeah, yes. Gosh. Under the Joshua tree. I don't know. <laughs> by the pyramid stage in the, in the Vale of Avalon. Has anyone There must be somebody's had their ashes sprinkled at Glastonbury. There must be. There, I would have thought there would be. But I mean, sometimes you can't really sprinkle your ashes on stage at the Hammersmith Odeon or something because, I mean, someone's going to come and sweep up a bit later. You'd be on, lucky. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Can you? So, uh, I don't know. Does it work? <laughs> the word. So, what else do we want to talk about? Hallelujah. Oh, of course, yes, go on. Well, isn't that right? I mean, I'm not watching The X Factor, although I am watching, or was watching, Strictly Come Dancing, uh, which we can't talk about that because it's yes, all fun. <laughs> well, I've had my brother-in-law staying, and uh, it was so funny, like, like, Saturday, last oh, Saturday, like, about 7 o'clock, he got, a bit, he got a bit fidgety. I couldn't really get his attention. We were having a couple of drinks. Eventually, he just cracked. He said, can we, sorry, can we please watch the television? <laughs> And I said, what's going on? I said, well, this is John Sargent. Aren't you watching? I, I wasn't following this. So, so yeah, I suppose at, the, yeah. the, at this point, you were, you were playing the piano and Claire yeah. was singing some hymns. That yeah, was we were, normal, yeah. normal Saturday evening. Normal Saturday night. Children were doing a bit of crochet. There was some crochet. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, the radiogram was on. <laughs> and, and we were going to listen to Wagner and have some soup, cold soup. And, <laughs> and he was like, this isn't much fun. What the hell am I doing here? Mrs. Swartz, yeah. So we went away. I was absolutely captivated with John. I mean, it was amazing, John Sargent. And that whole issue, whether he was... So if you're listening to this uh, uh, abroad, this will be lost on you. But John no, Sargent... No, well, no, well, no, Nothing well. is lost on anybody. Is it John Sargent? No. Well, they, they won't anybody who's, to anybody who's listened to this podcast, they've seen as much of it as anybody. You've read about it. There's yeah. On the been. internet, on the YouTube, on everything. It, well, it was sensational. Absolutely. Of course, it's been caught up in the whole issue. The great French Revolution of the people rising up against the aristocracy and the people voting with their feet against institutions like the BBC. Because the suggestion was that Sargent did not voluntarily step down uh, in the uh, likely event he was going to win this thing, but was possibly encouraged to do so. But he was booked to go on a cruise uh, on a lecture. Yeah, you I know heard that, that, don't you? That's why he went. <laughs> oh, re- oh, oh, <laughs> he really? had a prior engagement, yeah. He's, Brilliant, he's, oh, that didn't He's come on out. the ocean wave right now, lecturing about his, uh, about his experiences of Strictly Come Dancing. Probably getting... Probably getting spinning around the floor of some chandelier ball. Yeah, um, absolutely. With some very grateful old matron. So I saw... The, I caught the X Factor on, on, for ten minutes on, on Saturday night, and in the past I've been sounding off about this programme, I have to confess, without ever seeing oh, it. Oh, really. And I've been... I've made terrible assumptions about its nature, okay? And so I sat and watched it for 10 minutes. Is and I'm good? now in a position to tell you <laughs> it's, um, it's just words fail me when it comes to describing how awful it is. <laughs> what did you see on it, Dave? Simon Cowell is he's just a ham. Of the worst possible kind. He has, you know, his insults, you can hear them clanking for about ten minutes before yeah. they arrive. Well, you really know what I mean? They're written yeah. by a really bad writer, yeah. delivered very, very badly, you know, and you can see it in his eyes when he's about to crack a funny. You know, there's a 15 second warning before the You're funny. You're a bit icy, Dave, because Jude loves this program. Are you a um, I don't love it. No, I, I, I do enjoy, I enjoy watching it. Couldn't see any merit. I, couldn't, I, t- I tend to watch it on. YouTube after the event because I don't I can't sit through the whole thing because I get frustrated. Um, I think it's I think it's entertaining because you can you just 
just um, the way it um, presents TV and as you know the whole the narrative and the journey of these people. It's it's very cynical, but um, occasionally somebody pops out of it who is quite good. You know, it, it was shown. You know, I think it was last week or the week before they had um, Leona Lewis on it, who won two years ago, yeah. I think, and she was really good. You know, she's not the best singer ever, but she was really good, and she really showed up the fact that programs like this can only produce proper stars every now and then. And what I think is really fascinating is the only people who have um, survived reality TV shows are people who have been prepared to take risks and do something different. Will Young, who um, won in, like, 2002, just thought, you know, I can do this blue-eyed soul stuff yeah. pretty well, and I'm not going to follow the usual path, I'm just going to do it quite quietly. He still sells lots of records, you know, six years on. And then, obviously, the best example is Girls Loud, who won in... 2003, to, my date might they, be wrong. Do they want to They've released six albums oh, now. I've got their recent albums, fantastic. Really? It's a really good pop record. Um, you, know, you didn't know there was a narrative or a journey. <laughs> I can tell. I tell what I thought. You when I, when I, a, the bit I caught on Saturday night, the two main competitors <laughs> were kind of teenagers. Yeah. Yes. Oh, is it Owen Quigg? The, the, or... there's, there's Owen from Northern Ireland. Oh, he is just there's, every there's long... grandmother's dream and every... There's a blonde there. girl. Oh, blonde, tell me the name of the blonde girl. Diana Vickers. Okay. <laughs> now, knows I, her stuff. I'm one with a accomplished hair. I've got teenage daughters, you know, and I've, you know, grown up teenage daughters, whatever. And what, I, what I've learned about teenagers, particularly female, is at that age they can get themselves into a complete state about the most boring uh, you oh, know, yeah. details of their life. Are my friends my friends? Are my, you know, does my bum look yeah. big in this? Yeah. You know, is, am I split hands or whatever? The idea that you can load onto that the pressure of going on a primetime television show <laughs> and having the nation decide whether they love you or not, yeah. you know, would in some cultures be, you know, be regarded as, uh, as child abuse. If anybody survives this, it's going to be a damn miracle. Yeah. But they all want to be, you know, famous. They don't want to be they musicians. Want to be, they want to, want to just loved. be, you know, have they a picture. They want to be loved. That's yeah. what it's all about. Oh. Which is but they're ju- going back to John Sargent. Hallelujah! The same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the same. The same deal. It's not is he any good dancer? It's do you love him? Yeah. Do you, you know, through yeah. the medium of the TV screen, do you love him? Anyway, the climactic song is going to be that that you know they're going to have to test their chops on in the final is Leonard Cohen's I know, Hallelujah. I know. Which one of them did in an earlier episode, Diana and Louis Vickers. Walsh said, she made it her yeah, own. Yeah, so everybody's kind of sniping about it because they think she's... She made it her own is one of those brilliant expressions, which, you know what I mean, is obviously could be an insult, but it's dressed up as a... Usually it's it, so overwrought yeah. that I can't listen to it ever again. Do you know what, though? It's, yeah, it's, there's a brilliant example of this on a tube uh, poster for a, a show called Tinsel Worm by Bill Bailey. At the bottom, the only thing they've got from the press is, it's as good as anything he's ever done. The <laughs> Times. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a pal of mine who's the editor of, of GQ magazine, Dylan Jones, has got a great repertoire of these phrases, but she has to use quite a lot because she's always going to fashion shows. And one of them is he shakes people's hands firmly and says, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> and his other one is, only you could put on a show like this. <laughs> and they go away with a terrific spring in their st- <laughs> I, mean, I love you've done it again. Oh, God, I've got to be listing out for those oh, things yeah. in future. Yeah, I say that to people now when they, in the office when they hand in pieces. Okay, you've done it again. They take some crashing <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that bad? <laughs> yeah, with Hallelujah, though, you know, you know, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, obviously, but it hasn't become this song because of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. It's become it because of Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah, which was very, you know, overblown, quite histrionic, and obviously he died tragically and everything. It's almost taken on yeah, that yeah. weight. Very good point. Yeah, but you know. I totally agree with you. But I'm sorry, but the thought that um, any of the judges or the people that organise 
the X Factor yeah. of ever heard Jeff Buckley's song. Or have heard of Leonard Cohen. I think I find very difficult to believe. Yes, <laughs> well, you know, lots, but, lots of people have done versions of it in the last couple yeah. of years. They've heard they? it on Shrek. But do you, yeah, see, what interesting is, Cohen, is that it? this is the ultimate acid test for this song. Because it has to test the indestructibility of the song. If it has any merit at all at the end of that, you know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. If you follow the same logic, it, you know, it's like you're going to get ten people with terrible speech impediments and get them all to read The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot. <laughs> and see so, so if you decide <laughs> at the end of that, well, The Wasteland is a good, is a good poem. I oh, that's know, cool. That's very funny. Because it's a test of the, of the melody and the lyric, isn't it? Because mostly, if you look at football chants, that's just testing the, the melody. It's not, it's not the lyric, obviously, because the lyric's being adapted. So, so the indestructible lyrics, uh, melodies, rather, such as Go West or Walking in a Winter yeah. Wonderland, have survived because they're just adaptable. They're fabulous. But the trouble with this is this is a great melody and an incredible chord sequence, but also a fantastic lyric. Yeah. And the idea that the seventeen-year-old girl seventeen-year-olds going to sing, yeah. and you can only do it at one the... pace, can't you? Hallelujah! Yeah. You can't speed it up. Yeah, it can't be done as a jazz waltz, can it? Really? <laughs> Hallelujah! You know, I mean, this is section. You never heard the skiffle version. <laughs> skiffle version. Oh, that's good. <laughs> If anybody out there would like to attend... That's a really good idea for a compilation album. That's a really good... Send us your YouTube clips of you doing the most unlikely version of Hallelujah. Skiffle, ukulele, you know... Death death metal. Disco version, death metal. We want to hear them, don't we? I'd love to. That's a fantastic (laughs) idea. So, you know, these and other issues will continue to rage at uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. Mark's got to go off and talk to Elvis Costello. I've got to actually, I must go now. I've I've got to go go off and talk to Malcolm Six minutes on the telephone. Where are you off now, Jude? I'm off to uh, write a column about um, Hallelujah and um, who knows where the time goes by Sandy Denny, which is also becoming one of these songs that everyone is covering. Not not in an X-Factor way. Where are you off now? I'm down Farringdon Road, Dave. Okay, cheers. Then you're going back to plant a few parsnips in the country. <laughs> Do you know, I made medlar cheese this week. Uh, What's that made of? It's made of medlars. The weekends must fly by. Do you know the best thing about medlars, though? They're, 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 I'm keen to learn. Uh, their nickname in the uh, 16th and 17th century. Go on. Dog's asses. <laughs> oh, that's nice. You're making it sound so attractive. Just a black coffee for me, thanks. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.